0: You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Yeah, that you need to believe in yourself and in the dreams that God is putting in your heart. If there's someone to believe, there's a God to confirm His Word. Yeah. We just need someone to believe. There's a God to confirm His Word. I don't know how big the thing is, but I'm a living witness to the fact that God puts dreams in our hearts and he fulfills his dreams. You know, the craziest thing about this matter is that you don't need to be perfect. You just need to be willing to grow. Because uh, eight years down the line, Elevation Church, I'm not a perfect person by any standard. Sometimes I still laugh at myself. Yeah. I laugh my, at myself when, when I set a goal, I want to finish this book in one week, and at the end of the week, I'm in chapter two out of ten. Yeah, I just laugh at myself.
1: Yeah.
0: I laugh at myself when my schedule is packed out, and I just realized the last five places I've been, I was late. I just keep laughing at myself. What kind of human being are you? How can you be late five things in a row? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. At least you try to be on time once. Yeah. I mean, I have not said that. I don't mean that you should not be on time. But I'm just saying that sometimes you just find yourself struggling. You're just struggling. So it's, it's not about perfection. It's about willingness to grow and you just see dreams come to pass you just see the pictures that God has given you you know things just happening glory be to Jesus can I say two prayers before I preach one for somebody who is saying God bring me to the place of dream I want to be able to dream new dreams new dreams by the way if like Pastor Adrian said if you if you'll be around on Friday please be at night of increase these are some of the things we're going to be praying about. Right now, somebody was saying, I want to be able to dream new dreams. And another person was saying, the dreams on my heart, it's time to start to see them come to pass. Will you put your hand on your heart and let's just, let's just pray a blessing over those hearts. That's the center of our person, where dreams are battered and where dreams are released. And LifePoint is a place, it's, it's a dream releasers, you know, center where people who release dreams come together and we release dreams. We just push things out of our heart. And the things that are there, some of them have been there for years. Some of them just from the beginning of this year. Some of them just last night. Thoughts that you've not been able to shake off from your heart because you know that it just there's something about it and your destiny. They're connected. Lord, this morning, as one who has experienced Your grace to release dreams. To take them from paper to reality. I command the release of that same grace over your sons and daughters here. I ask that you multiply my experiences over your sons and daughters here. Give somebody the willingness to want to grow. Even in the midst of the struggle. Even when we second-guess ourselves, you are the one who gives us grace to still be willing to push ahead, to still believe in ourselves, even in our imperfection. So I pray for someone here today that grace comes upon you from this service to keep believing in yourself and in the, even in the midst of all this struggle. And I pray for someone here this morning that fresh dreams are being released into your heart, fresh ideas released into your heart, ideas that will not leave you until you do something about them. In the precious name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We bless you. Put your hands together. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Uh, I have just about 45 more minutes. And it's one of those times where I won't be able to do fellowship after fellowship. Uh, I'll be zooming out the moment I finish preaching. Please pardon me. Uh, next time I'm here, I will sit. Some people love to fellowship with me after the service. I'll create that time next time. I have a guest that I need to catch up with who is preaching at um, Business Conference Center right now. And I will need to catch up with him the moment he finishes preaching. All right, so I have this little book here. I think you have copies here at Life One Church. Uh, gauging readiness for marriage. I'm going to be speaking from it a bit and just adding some general more thoughts into that subject of gauging, gauging readiness for marriage. Preparing for marriage. Um, one of the things you, you must do when you're preparing for anything is to gauge your readiness. To gauge your readiness. We say that success happens when opportunity means, meets preparation. So preparedness is very important so we can take advantage of opportunities. Opportunities are nothing. When, they meet you unprepared. You're not able to do much with the opportunities when you're unprepared, when you're unprepared, you know, when you're unprepared. If you're looking for a job and you don't have a CV that is good enough for anybody to read and understand your capacity and your potentials and the things and the places where you have been, you're going to waste a lot of opportunities. You're going to waste a lot of opportunities. Because sometimes they need you to drop your CV immediately, they go through it, and sharing you for for an appointment for interview immediately. People have had testimonies of get, getting somewhere. They ask about their CV. They submit this, they submit their CV and they ask them to wait and they interview the same day and they get their letter the same day. What happens if you weren't wearing that prepared? And they ask you for your CV. You said I have it here. I'm going to try to put it down. They said it's too late. So opportunities, you know, elude people who refuse to take advantage of their present time as a time of preparation. The past is gone. There's nothing you're going to do about the past. In fact, a lot of the time, the best you can do about the past, or the, the good thing you should think about doing about the past, is to make sure that the negative effects of the past will not find any bearing in your present or your future. Past is for experience. It's for lessons. The present is what you can do something about. And what you do with the present is what affects your future. So what we really have is the present. <laughs> yeah, Because anything you do with the present has you know, an overbearing effect on your future. If you don't believe what I'm saying, after the service, just slap somebody. Well, that's what you are, you've done with the present. It may mean that the future, which is tomorrow, you may sp- spend it you know, at the police station. That's, that's how sharp this thing is, how, how fast it happens. You, you just <laughs> mismanage the present, <laughs> and the future is affected. Yeah, it's that simple. It's very simple, very straightforward, very simple. What you do with the present has an overbearing effect on the future. Our world is constructed in such a way that <laughs> the world doesn't exonerate you from the, the, the present. You, you are rated by what you are doing in the present as good as dreams are, is what you are doing right now that will determine whether those dreams will come to pass or not. You have to do something with the present. Uh, uh, Let me tap your neighbor and tell your neighbor, do something with the present. (laughs) Now when we come to the subject of relationship and marriage, what we do in the present is also very important, extremely important. What we're able to do with the present time is very important. How are you maximizing the present time. A few years ago on my Twitter uh, event uh, uh, Mr. Times Better Have That I Do on Fridays, I, I you know, decided to just write a statement and you know, put it up there to get people's response. Yeah. And it was very simple. Will you marry you? Yeah. And I didn't know the power of that question until people started to react to it. Will you marry you? Some truthful people said, if I see me, tossing me, I run. <laughs> yeah, very truthful people. And some, of this, some, some people said, maybe I won't mind me. Some people put it in Yoruba lie, lie. <laughs> yeah, it means never, it will never happen. Yeah. So, wherever you stand today, whether it is the lie lie side, <laughs> as a never going to happen side, or maybe grudgingly, I manage. Maybe you're delightfully saying, It won't be bad to marry me. At least I have some things going for me. At least I have, you know, I can give myself some accolades. Yeah, because I deserve some accolades. Yeah, because that's, that's the approach that some people. <laughs> you know, you have to watch this. Oh, I can't keep killing myself. I deserve some accolades so I can marry me. Wherever you found yourself today, it's important that you understand that it was what you did yesterday that determined where you are today, and it's what you do with your today that will determine how you will rate yourself tomorrow. So, engaging readiness for marriage, we need to pay attention to what we are doing today. And can you? Let me ask your neighbor again. Don't say, will you marry me? No. Will you marry you? That's the question. Please. Uh Yeah. Look at your neighbor again. Another neighbor this time. i ask the person, will you marry you? (laughs) Praise God. I said, praise God. So like I said, the question is supposed to evoke some thoughts in us. But before you go too further with the question, before you start to use, you know, all kinds of measuring implements and all kinds of gauge to, to, you know, to put yourself to size, I think it's important that, that you know, or uh, take some prescription from me as to what, how should I rate myself? What should would I get myself weight, And how, how, how should I ensure that my answer to that question is based on the right premise. I'm looking at the right thing for saying, will I marry me? Let's read from the scriptures. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. I'll read from verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Maybe I should read it from the amplified version. Uh, because I saw some things very interesting there, and the play of words there are also a bit interesting. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, amplified classic version, says, "Now the Lord God said, it is not good in bracket, sufficient or satisfactory. It is not good in bracket sufficient or satisfactory, that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, meet in bracket." suitable, adaptable, complementary for him. I will make him a helper. Helper, meat. And it says, meat here will speak to, suitable, adaptable, complementary for him. Verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every wild beast and living creature of the field, and every bird of the air. And brought them to Adam to see what he will call them. Whatever Adam called them, called every living creature. That was its name. Verse 20. And Adam gave names to all the living stock. And to the birds of the air, And to every wild beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper. Meet, suitable, adaptable, complementary for him. So the, this, this, this issue of finding a helper that is suitable, adaptable, and complementary has been an age-long matter. Can you me tell your neighbor you're not alone? Yeah. It's been on for a long time, from the days of Adam. It's just that today, you're doing the job. Back in the day, Adam wasn't thinking about it. God did the job for him. Yeah. Adam wasn't really thinking about it. Adam never went to God to say, God, You know, I feel very lonely, you know. I need somebody to hold my hand. Yeah. Yeah. I I just need somebody to lean on. (laughs) Just somebody to lean on, you know. Adam never said anything like that. It was God that said, it's not good. It's not sufficient. It's not expedient that a man should be alone. And God started to, uh, think through, I mean, not, not really think through, but walk through all that, and uh, this, what, what, what ensued, God created all the beasts of the field, and then God told Adam to go ahead and name them, and uh, so Adam started to participate in the process. Yeah, at some point, just like you are participating in the process right now, because when God said, name all the animals, you know, Adam, was given the choice to pick, literally. And he saw goat and he said goat. He didn't say babe. He would have been in trouble. Yeah. Because God was looking out for what he would call them. Now, what do you think about Adam's ability to recognize goat as goat and not babe? It meant that Adam knew himself and understood the human race to be different from animals. There was a sense of self-recognition, a sense of self-appreciation, and self-identification that Adam had at that point that made him to draw the line between humans and animals. And he appropriately named animals based on their capacity, the mannerisms, and their potentials, and the things that they could do. And Bible says at some point, there was not found a helper that is, you know, adaptable, suitable, or complementary to Adam, even after he had named all the animals, you know. So we live in a time and an age where you're going to encounter animals, and in the day that we're living in, you don't see lion on the street like the days of... You know, wild beast on the street, all you see is human beings. And so we start, we don't start with animals. We start with human beings when we're trying to name and make a choice. But how come some people, you, you can't pick some people, it's because. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure you're getting my drift. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to say i complimentary stuff, but, <laughs> but you, you're getting my drift. That's, that, I'm went through that process. That some of us are going through right now. But a sense of personal identification. A sense of personal identity. A sense of knowledge. Of the generality of the human race. And our capacity. And what God expects of us. And coupled with a sense of knowing of himself. Helped him in the process. Not to call the giraffe. A tall babe. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it, there was a sensing, there was a not the, there was the sense of appreciation of the elements of this world and of himself that brought him to that level of reckoning. And it was part of his own preparation because God never said you couldn't, you couldn't take any of them home to mama. Yeah. God never I, I, did you read that here? No, he just said, This is all my creature. If you can find anyone. Just name, name. And name is very important. Yeah. Name talks about your sense of personal appreciation. Your sense of personal recognition of the other creature. Yeah. You know, the truth, in your dealings with human beings, your own name doesn't matter. It's what how people recognize you that matter. So my name is Godman. Somebody can call me Wicked Man, depending on what I do to them. So it's my business what I call myself. What people call you is based on their interaction with you. Yeah. It doesn't matter what title you give yourself. There are many fraud people who are called pastors today. So you call yourself a pastor. But by their fruit, you shall know them. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah? Yeah? So that's, that's what we're dealing with here. It was whatever Adam called them based on his interaction with them. How, how do, Have you developed capacity to interact for knowledge? To interact for recognition? To interact for the sermon. That's what I'm saying today. Have you developed that capacity? Do you have enough emotional intelligence to interact with people and, 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 and get a sense of who they are and what boundaries should be in place? Because except you get to that point, whipping may endure for a long time. And the Bible says may endure for a night, but in the morning comes joy. Without a sense you know, of appreciation, of understanding of who people are which comes, which will not jump at you, which you grow into, because you need to appreciate what Adam went through. Just doing all this stuff, just naming and you know, until the point where he didn't call anyone woman or babe or anything like that. And you know, when you read further there, the Bible says God put him to sleep. God put him to sleep. You know the reason why a lot of us are not really ready for marriage? Because you are not at rest in God. Yeah. You can be a relationship hustler that is difficult for God to put you to rest, to enter your rest as far as your marital destiny is concerned. You know it's okay to also about a few things. But, but not about marriage or who you are going to marry or relationship. That you jump from one to the other and you think is the number. It's in the number. No, it's not in the number. Yeah, because no relationship really, le- you know, leaves you the same. They make impact, positive or negative. So you have to be careful about how you jump in and jump out. So you don't become a jumper. Yeah. Or a hustler. Because as a hustler, what... what I mean, God wants to deal with me as his son, like he dealt with Adam. That God can put me to sleep, can bring me peace concerning my marital destiny. As a young lady, that God can give me a sense of rest, knowing that he is doing something. Yeah. Because the Bible talks about entering your rest, in the book of Hebrews. Yeah. said so they have entered their rest, have ceased from their works. Are you still fixated on your own walks? Are you willing to enter your rest? Because it's in entering your rest that you start to see that God starts to walk in you. When what God walked in Adam, and the Bible says figuratively took a rib and created a woman, you know, with it. And when Adam saw the woman, it's also another testimony to the fact that Adam knew himself. <laughs> he has a sense of recognition. You know, in marriage, you need to know your weight before you can determine who can carry you. When you have never stepped on a scale before, it is say if you choose the person that will carry you, you can choose the person that will finish you. Yeah. That will lift you and then struggle and dump you and you'll break your back. I mean, a lot of the time when we talk about You know, gauging readiness, you know, how ready are you for marriage. It's about saying, get yourself on a scale. Know your weight so you know who can carry you. Not everybody can carry you emotionally. Yeah. Because you are 200 kg emotionally, even though you weigh 30, you know, in the physical. Yeah. Somebody needs to be able to carry that load. Because relationships are about carrying load and taking responsibility for one another. Yeah. It's very important that you know what you weigh before you think of who will carry you. So it's part of your preparedness that you seek to weigh yourself. You seek to know what you weigh. When Adam saw Eve, eventually, Adam said, now, now." in the, the old King James says, now, this is now the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. That means I've been waiting. I've, I've, I mean, I've seen all kinds. But now I've seen. God never said anything You know, the book of Genesis is is somewhat complete. (laughs) Yeah. God just did introduction. See, see. And it's the same thing. You go to work, you see. You come to church, you see. At the bus stop, you see. Online, you see. It's about seeing. Yeah. Whether online or offline, you see. Facebook, you see. On Instagram, you see. It's all about seeing. Yeah. But seeing is not enough when you don't have a sense of recognition recognition is deeper than seeing discernment is deeper than seeing because the reason why many people are jumping in and out of relationship is because they all everybody can see yeah everybody can see but not everybody can recognize or appreciate and that's where we need to be stepping into right now In fact, some people need to maybe take some time off-seeing to develop the capacity to recognize. Yeah. Because when you see too much, sometimes you're confused. Sometimes, you know, you're distracted from developing that capacity to be able to recognize. All right, let me... uh, So, the, 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 the... verse 20, 22 down to 24, the Bible says, And the rib or part of his side which the Lord God had taken from the man he built up and made into a woman, and he brought her to man. Then Adam said, The creature is now bone of my bone, bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from me. Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall become united and cleave to his wife, and they shall both become one flesh. Somebody say, One flesh. So, can you ask your neighbor? What are you willing to leave behind? Ask somebody else, what are you willing to leave behind? Because outside of recognition, the next thing that happened after Adam confirmed. This is the babe. Yeah. Babe, settled. Babe, you know. God, don't bring any other one. Yeah. You know, because if he had said, what's this? God would probably have to put him to sleep again and remove another rib. (laughs) (laughs) And probably just, you know, just just change some configuration here and there and there. Yeah. And bring another one. Yeah. But he, he saw this one. He could feel himself in this person. bone of my bone. there's a connection that is deeper than flesh is bone. Before flesh is bone. <laughs> Before flesh is bone, bone is deeper than flesh. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. Adam went to the deepest part and said, "I can feel this person. I think we have the same values. I think the thing what holds me up seem to be like the same kind of things that hold this person up. What could keep me awake at night may be the same kind of things that can keep this person awake at night. Yeah. Perhaps our values align. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. And then from that point, what we see is, what else are you willing to leave behind so that this thing can work? So a man shall leave his father and mother and then cleave to his wife. Can you hear me ask a new boy again, what are you willing to leave behind? Yeah. Because there will be a demand for you to leave some things behind. Yeah. For you to leave some things behind. You have to be able to leave some things behind. When I was a child, I behaved like a child. Yeah. That's what Paul said. When, when I became mature, I put childish things, you know, behind me. What are you willing to put behind? It's very important. What are you willing to put behind? Let me put this in four frames as we talk about preparedness. As I talk about this, I talk about it from the point of view of where you are and what you're willing to put behind. First, physical readiness for marriage. I wrote a lot of that in this very small book that you can read in 30 minutes, Gaging readiness for marriage. If you don't have a copy, pick it up. If you can't afford one, borrow it from somebody. Just read it, that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure a few people already have it, so just ask them, who has it? But I think I'm not even sure how much it goes for. It's something very small. So get it. Read it. Read it. Just about 30, 45 minutes, you'll finish reading it, depending on how fast or slow you are reading. Yeah. If you're as slow as me, you may read this thing for one hour. But read it not just once. Read it again. Mark out the things that are important to you, or that, very, that, that strikes you, and then go to work on them now. First thing is physical readiness for marriage. Do you know your body? Do you know your body? You know, we're talking about Adam being able to see himself in another person. For Adam to see Eve and recognize Eve, that means Adam knew himself. And we, we start on the physical. Perhaps Adam was trying to drink water one day and through the river, he saw himself. He saw, he saw his body. So when he saw babe, he knew babe. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he, there was, uh, there, you can imagine if Adam had never seen himself be- before. We, we, Adam didn't live in the days where mirrors were common, where you take selfie all the time. You see yourself all the every day. Some people, a deal cannot pass, and you won't take a picture of yourself. Yeah, you love yourself so much. Yeah. That was not the day that Adam lived in. But yet he could see somebody else and see himself in the person. What are you doing with your physical self and how are you doing? Know your body. Yeah, know your body. Know your body. If you're here, you plan to get married as a woman, you've never read every woman before. Yeah. You don't even know how your body works. You're a man, you, you've, you've never done a physical before. You've not, you know, you, you, you don't know anything about, you know, the, 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 the male man and the health, the peculiarities of the health of the male man. And maybe all that you think about is just, you know, the marriage it just happened, you know. Can I tell you the truth? When you start to study yourself and seek to know yourself, Starting with the physical, your body, because you're going to interact with your body in this marriage, it's not, it's not lack of faith. Because some people like for everything to be covered. and when we get to the bridge, we'll cover it. I mean we'll, we'll, we'll cross it. Why do you have to check the work of God? The work of God is perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the response. The, the religious and traditional response to what I just said is, why do you have to be disturbing the work of God? Yeah. What are your proclivities in the physical? What are the issues that you're dealing with? Do you have obesity issues in your family? Do you have any particular you know, physical weakness or ailment that you need to be able to do something about? and you need to do something about it before you get into a marriage. You need to do something about it before you start having children. You need to do something about it, you know, early enough. These are the things I'm talking about. Sometimes, you don't even, you may not even be able to do anything about it, but you are aware of it. Because it affects the kind of decisions you make when you become a married person. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah? Yeah? You know, we've had people who don't even know what they are allergic to. Yeah, you've seen it in movies before now. Two people are dating. Usually those American movies, they like to kiss a lot. Yeah, yeah. So this person is allergic to peanut. This one likes to eat peanut. And they're dating. They don't even know themselves well enough. They started kissing. And that one had peanut. And this one started to swell up from one kiss. That's just that's what I'm talking about. So before you start to expose yourself, know yourself. As you're bringing that mat, make sure there's no peanut there. Just wait, because that thing will make me break out. While you are still releasing your faith, for you to overcome that allergy, you need to know that it exists. So you don't embarrass yourself. Are you still with me today? Is this the kind of thing you want to hear? If it's not, I can start to go. Your pastor come, <laughs> it will take over from me. Praise God. <laughs> no, that's just a joke, All right? Uh, um. I also want to encourage that you adopt a healthy lifestyle physically. Adopt a healthy lifestyle as somebody who is preparing to get married. Adopt a healthy lifestyle. Look good, smell good, live good. Those three are very important. Nobody wants to marry somebody who doesn't smell good. And you know the truth? This is breakthrough knowledge. Everybody can look good. Yeah. Everybody can look good if you pay attention to yourself. I don't believe in the concept of anybody being ugly. ugly. We only have people who don't pay attention to themselves. Yeah? Yeah? Pay attention to yourself, you can look good. It has nothing to do with configuration of your face. Yeah. <laughs> or whether you have hair on your head or not. It's nothing to do with that. It is more about how you pay attention to yourself and you groom yourself, personal grooming. I remember (laughs) a few months ago, I was meeting my pastor, Pastor Samadhi, and we were having a chat, just hanging out. And then he looked at me, he said, oh, G-Man, that's what he called. He said, G-Man, I've been seeing you on social media and uh, on TV. You started growing your hair. He said, I just want you to know that you know it's good to groom yourself. And I see that it looks like it fits you. You look good, you know. And I was already smiling. Now, I haven't said that. Even if you feel it doesn't fit me. I mean, I think I like it. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that pay attention to yourself. Yeah, pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Nobody wants to marry somebody who doesn't care about... You know, I'm not saying, for instance, as a lady, you may not like to wear makeup, but makeup is not the only way you pay attention to yourself. Yeah. That's not the only way you pay... A thousand and one ways you pay attention to yourself. You know what it suggests when you pay attention to yourself, and you, you 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 try to dress well and dress appropriate for every occasion. And you know you smell good, is that you value yourself. Okay, let me buttress what I'm saying. How many of you have driven a car that you don't like before? You have a car that you don't like. You don't like it. You hate the car. You, there's no sense of value attached to the car. It's the kind of car that when people enter, they want to run out. Because you will not invest any money again to take it to the car wash. What? This can, how can I be washing this? I've been paying five k. The car is not worth five k. Am I saying the truth? Or maybe you haven't experienced that before. Idris has experienced it. You can ask him. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a point to get to with certain cars you just feel frustrated with them. You cannot, apart from putting gas in the car, you don't want to do any other thing. Yeah, they say the tire has gone. Hey, let it go. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing to it. This is the kind of car that somebody should be driving anyway. It's just uh, about to go out, so let me just leave it. You know, sometimes that's how we treat ourselves. Especially when you're going through a frustrating experience or a frustrating moment in life, you don't pay attention to yourself again. Yeah, you don't want to invest anything again. You just, yeah, don't don't get to that point. With yourself, that's when you need either to spend more time in the world, go for counseling, see a life coach, you know, or something like that. You need to jack yourself out of that mode. You're too valuable to be relegated to crumbs or little attention. Especially when you are in that space where you you know that it's time to get married. You can't treat yourself that way. Somebody following me today? Yeah. So take stock of your physical readiness for marriage, uh, a few other things. What's your blood group? Like Pastor Idris was asking earlier. Yeah. And the person that you're trying to date, what's the, the, the blood group of the person? Yeah. What's, what's your genotype? You know, it's, it's, it's almost illegal for you to be thinking of getting married, and you don't know your genotype. And you want to woke up with somebody. It's not good. It's just not good. Yeah, you know, I, I can't say it's because it's, it's okay for me to say it's illegal, but I think we should agree that it's illegal. <laughs> because you're about to cause trouble. Yeah, and you're not paying attention to it. So if you're here at this time and you don't know your, genot- your genotype, please, yeah. We can even help to Pay for it. I mean, Pastor Idris, yeah. If, if, <laughs> I don't think payment will be an issue for anybody here, but if at all it is, yeah, it's something that the church should do for free for all members because it's going to reduce our stress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to reduce our stress. It's going to help us, the life. life will be easier if everybody knows their genotype and we can approach each other from the standpoint of knowledge, not ignorance. So, do you have a habit or lifestyle that affects, or can potentially affect your health? What family conditions exist in your family? Or your partner's family that you need to be aware of? Yeah, very important. How can you improve your health and fitness? These are questions that you you should ask yourself. Let me Move faster. Number two is financial readiness. Some people think that, you know, romance is very important in marriage, but I tell them sometimes there's no romance without finance, yes, yeah. Finance is the engine oil that hoists the engine of romance. If you don't want the engine of romance to knock, there has to be engine oil, which is finance. It, it hoists that engine so that the engine of romance will not knock. You know, when there's no money in marriage, the two people who used to be romantic, they become cat and mouse. Yeah. They they, they don't want to see each other. They're on each other's neck. They fight all the time. So truly, it's important to note that there's no romance without finance. Let me tell your neighbor, say no romance without finance. Yeah. Marriage is already a leap of faith. We create unnecessary hardship and complexity when you jump into it without thinking of what will make it work well. Now what I'm saying now is not a statement or a teaching out of faith. Faith does not exonerate us from thinking about how we're going to add value. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. No, if Faith doesn't exonerate us from a sense of how am I going to add value. And one good place to add value in marriage is to be somebody who can put something on the table. Yeah. And that, that is not a, a exclusive, a, the exclusive preserve of married people only. I mean, of uh, men only. That's what I wanted to say. I think it's First Peter 5 and verse 8 uh, or so where the Bible says that... Uh, uh, you know, we, we we say that the man that cannot provide for his home is uh, wasn't an infidel, lost the faith. He did not say the man. He said anyone. Go ahead and check your Bible. Yes. What I'm, am I saying that men should not take responsibility? No, I'm saying that it takes two to tango. Yeah. He says anyone. Anyone. Praise God. I said praise God. So it's important for us to know that as a single person, you must demonstrate a very great sense of value. So the scripture I just quoted is 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8. Sorry, not 1 Peter. 1 Timothy 5 and verse, verse 8. And in the Amplified Classic that I have in front of me here, it said, if anyone fails to provide for his relatives... And especially for those of his own family. He has disowned the faith by failing to accompany it with fruit. And it's worse than an unbeliever who performs his obligation in these matters. Yeah. Did you see anyone? I said, did you see anyone? Uh, Because traditionally, in Christendom, we've used that to say the men should carry all the load, and women should just watch on the sideline. And uh, so some women just feel like, I'm not supposed to add any value. Yeah. We'll we work this thing together. Everybody must put something on the table. But men have a huge responsibility in marriage because we are the leader. Leadership connotes responsibility. If you don't want to lose your place as the leader, then you need to pay attention to how you take the bulk of the responsibility. Praise God. So. Uh, so, for a guy or a lady alike thinking of getting married, you need a source of income. Ladies, look for all the guys around you and tell them get a job, get a job. Look for a guy and just tell him get a job, get a job, quickly. Yeah. So, engaging financial readiness, you need a source of income. You need the ability to hand your ability to earn is tied to your competitive advantage. You need marketable skills. Whether it's in form of formal education, particular skill, entrepreneurial skills, you know. You you need something. You know it's a bad case when somebody says, I'm preparing to get married, and we cannot point to what you can exchange for money. No skill, no certificate, you don't want to sell anything, so no entrepreneurial leaning. until that is in place, you're going to frustrate somebody in marriage. So you need to pay attention to that. It's very, very important if you're really going to be the kind of person that will make a good mate, that is suitable, adaptable, and complementary. Are you still with me? And then financial literacy. Financial literacy. Part of everyone's preparedness for marriage should be to have a certain level of financial literacy. Yeah. It's beyond going to school. Because when you get into marriage, a few things are important. Your emotional stability, your financial stability, they're very important. And then your spiritual stability. Yeah. So if, you're not, if you know all the scriptures and you're financially financial illiterate, you're not good for marriage. Yeah. So that's why it's important for us to uh, also seriously reckon with that. Number three is emotional readiness. Majority of the day-to-day requirements for building a home are not romantic. Yeah. So you have to be emotionally ready. The majority of the things that we do day-to-day in marriage are not, they are emotionally tasking. They don't they don't necessarily supply you emotional juice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> waking up in the middle of the night, say so do a baby and sing. <laughs> By the time you wake up in the morning, you are emotionally sapped. And somebody is saying, hey baby, what's up? Which baby? <laughs> is it the one in the court or this one? You know, because, I mean, that's what I'm saying, that you need emotional strength to survive a marriage. Because the majority of the things that transpire in marriage will sap your emotional juice, may not hurt to it. So you need to know that you have to be emotionally stable and be ready to continue to build on that stability as you get into marriage. So, part of emotional stability is... So manage your sexuality. And if you haven't read my book, sexuality get a grip for singles, please get it. And when you get married, get the one for couples. So, manage your sexuality. Marriage is not a cure for sexual vices or, you know, emotional whirlwind and all that. Marriage will not cure that. You need to sort yourself out before you get into marriage. Part of readiness for marriage is to deal with pornography issues, if you have one. Yeah. Because you're going to frustrate somebody else who's supposed to be the primary caregiver in the area of sex when you have all kinds of primary and tertiary and secondary caregivers <laughs> all in one. Yeah. You know how you sort yourself out, and you then want to employ somebody to come up and be sorting you out. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. A person will be Summarily really jobless or a frustrated career person <laughs> who would just be wondering, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. Anytime I'm counseling people and you see uh, maybe a, a young lady saying, you know, you know, you know, all through last year, we only made love three times. I say, ah. in 12 months? Uh-huh. We need to check the brother. <laughs> the brother needs to see a therapist. Yeah, Because that defiles all the natural laws and all the spiritual laws. Especially when the brother is still below 50. Yeah. The Lord will give you understanding. <laughs> Something has gone wrong. And it's because somebody has gone the other way. And somebody has been frustrated because of that. So, Part of emotional stability or emotional readiness is how are you resolving your conflicts right now? I'm not even talking about conflicts that happen between you and the person you are dating. I'm saying conflicts generally. Yeah. When things don't work the way you think they will work out, how do you react? Because when you get into marriage, the person you are going to marry will be the primary source of things not working the way you thought they would work out. If you don't want to break somebody's head like you're breaking all the fans and breaking everything right now and throwing your phone, your mobile phone on the wall. If you're still doing all that right now, you need to slow down and ask yourself, am I really ready to get married? Because just getting into your car in the morning and the car will refuse to start. You have almost broken the windshield, just being angry. Why would you not start? Why would you not... <laughs> you know some of us, even Lady angels will just record some of the things you do. I'll show you at night before you go to bed. See how, see how you behave this morning. Because the car refused to start. It was the battery that went flat. It's, there's no demon involved. There's no human being involved. Something mechanical just went wrong. And you went ballistic. It's emotional insta- instability. Yeah. See, when you get married, you will convince yourself that your spouse must take responsibility for that battery that went flat. And then you can keep malice with him for one week because of that. Be- that's what I'm talking about. If on your own you can resolve your issues, the conflicts, both with human beings, with material things, with you know, inanimate things, with the weather, with different things, all kinds of conflict, you're able to manage those conflicts without throwing any tantrum and going ballistic, then you're getting ready. To deal with a human being that will run you crazy. Yeah. Because in marriage, your spouse will annoy you the most until you see Jesus. Yeah. When you get married, the person you're married to is the person that will frustrate you the most until you leave this planet. Yeah. Because that's the person that you deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. (laughs) And then when children enter the mix, the complexity is multiplied. They join your spouse (laughs) to test the metal of your emotional stability. Yeah. Have you seen people with toddlers before? Sometimes you you can cry for them. So just say, life can be easier than this. So, let me go to the last one, spiritual readiness. By the way, the last thing I should have spoken about, about emotional one, is that you need to understand your temperament, your personality, and all that, so that you know yourself, just like Adam did, knew himself, so that by the time Eve will show up, you'll then know that Eve, your dating is sanguine. I'm this sparkling sanguine, and you should know about it. Yeah. this no dull moment person, and if you, if you want to deal, deal. Something I can do about it, I didn't make myself. and well, you're not going to remake me, because I will keep talking. Yeah. I just want to make more sense, that's all. The prayer, <laughs> the prayer of every sanguine is, Lord, I keep talking. Help me to make sense. Yeah. That's the prayer that every sanguine should be praying. Yeah. Because the part, that part of being lively and talking, there's nothing you can do about it. Any attempt to change somebody's temperament is to alter their makeup. They're going to damage them. That's why people run mad in marriage. Yeah. Because somebody's attempting to change the core of who you are. Yeah. You're wiring. The only thing that makes us know that you were made in heaven Not Taiwan or China. It's the one thing that the person is trying to turn around. You react sharply to it. Your entire system rejects it. And then after a while, you start to, you know, it doesn't make sense to you again. You can't survive that way. The person criticizes every move that you make that is innate to you. You are too quiet. Talk. Why must I talk? (laughs) I'm not a talker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a melancholic person. I think more than I talk. Somebody saying, see, you see, you see, you see? That's why I like, like James's wife. James' wife will talk. She will bear her mind about everything. She makes us laugh. She, you know? That's why, that's why I don't come home, because when I go to James's house, we just laugh all the time. Why don't you just buy maybe a basketball or a CD, <laughs> b- take it home? Yeah? You married a wife, not a comedian. After I got married, for like the first five years, I was very frustrated. Because I would just wake up in the morning I would just tell my wife, this house is too dull. You know? you know, my wife would tell me again, I'm not your comedian. You know, you see, if you cannot be happy on your own, and you still need somebody to make you happy, you will frustrate the person. It is, I know I have a, you know, I have a good handle on my happiness, and you do on your own, and we will come together and we generate the atmosphere of happiness. Not that somebody has the exclusive preserve of bringing happiness, and the other, the other person is just Yeah, He's just, just a consumer. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah? That's how you, you, you know that you're emotionally ready. So finally, spiritual readiness. Do you have a life with God? Because we cannot talk about spiritual readiness without talking about God. God is the one that gives life to a man's spirit. Yeah. The Bible describes Jesus, the second Adam, as a life-giving spirit. I don't want to get into sketchup because of my time. Jesus, the life-giving spirit. I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. John 10 10. Yeah. Do you have a life with God? Is the life of God flowing through you? Are you alive spiritually? And are you walking in the light of Jesus? Is your darkness enjoying light from time to time? Because that's how you, 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 know, you, you, you brace up spiritually. When you see the light, light of God, revelation knowledge, you have developed capacity to receive light from God on your own. You develop capacity to have power with God on your own. I don't like it when I meet people who say this is the prayer warrior of our house. That's a man talking about his wife. Or the woman talking about her husband. How can somebody be the prayer warrior of our house when the house belongs to both of us? And both of us will have power with God. It may be at different levels, but we both have power with God. You may pray longer than I do, but when I pray, when I pray, God answers me because I have power with God. And have a personal work with God that is not connected to your own work. Do we meet on the lane? Yeah. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because before I met you, I knew God. Before Adam met Eve, Adam knew God. The Bible says in the cool of the day, God will come and fellowship with Adam. Adam and God could have conversations. Can you hear from God alone without anybody? It's part of your readiness, spiritual readiness for marriage. Because if you haven't heard from God before, you have not prayed for direction and somehow, you don't have to hear any audible voice and all that. God has his peculiar ways of dealing with each of his children. If you have not prayed about something and God gives you express direction on how to go about it, you're seeking for a job, God says, you know this, you prayed, and God sent your CV, do this, do that, and eventually you you got a job. And you you got two jobs, you prayed about it, and you felt peace about one, and you went for that one. And the last two or three years now, it's been working well. Maybe you're about moving to the next one that you're praying. That's how you work with God. When you get into marriage, it continues. But if that's not the way you're living right now, you are not spiritually ready for marriage. Marriage will place a lot more demand in that department. Because marriage is about making decisions. And you need to be able to pray and get your peace from God, get to hear from God, get God to nudge you in a particular direction so that your decisions can continue to go in line with the will of God for your life. You need to be able to master that before you talk about taking somebody else's load on top of it to master their issue with your own. So, you need God in your marriage, And in marriage, you also need to understand part of your spiritual preparedness is that in marriage or in spiritual things, opposites should not attract. Opposites should attract in the physical. But in marriage, is in spiritual things, sorry, likes attract. Two cannot work together except they agree. If not, you'll be pulled back. And marriage. Happy marriages are built on godly principles, which you need to understand for yourself. Yeah. As a man, you need to pay attention to the fact that God wants you to be the priest of your home. So men, guys, wake up and take responsibility for your homes that you want to build and it starts with how you live now. And lastly, you must always ask yourself the question, how am I doing? With my spiritual disciplines by that i mean am i growing in my prayer life am i still very afraid to fast like we said now we're fasting on wednesday yeah we know that if we come to the kitchenette of your office you'll be there having sandwich and tea and the holy spirit will tell you ah oh boy you're supposed to fast today say, "Oh, somebody cannot come and die john Because if you don't practice it right now when you get to that point where god requires you to seek him in that kind of way to deepen yourself there's nothing legalistic about fasting it's about just seeking the face of god and getting closer to him it doesn't i mean you don't have to fast to get certain things done literally though jesus said some things don't go except said by prayer and fasting yeah but at the same time, I'm saying that don't be legalistic about it. It's, it's a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Like some of the things you do to develop your muscle. Yeah. Like you go to the gym, carry some weight, get on the treadmill. That's, those, that Fasting, prayer, you know, all those things. Worship. That's, those are the spiritual treadmill for your spirit. If you don't get on them, your spirit will never develop beyond the point. And Jesus said, you need muscle in the spirit. To be able to pull certain things through. And many of those things will come at you when you get into marriage. And if you don't have the strength to push through, which because you have refused to practice right now, to practice a good prayer life, to have a personal time of studying the word and understanding it for yourself, it won't jump at you after you're getting married. If not, you'll become like the average Nigerian Christian who only worry about spiritual growth and spiritual exercises when they get into trouble yeah these people with marital problem before they fast yeah yeah they fast so we're saying come for night vigil on Friday please come if you can if you're in the city come it's part of also this preparedness to say I can tarry and spend time with God when I don't have any problem. So that it's not only problem that will drive me to God. When problem drives you to God, problems drive you to God, you are a frustrated Christian. We seek God because we love him and we're developing ourselves for our future. And we're developing the strength of our work with him, not when we get into trouble. That's how I've lived my life and that's how I want to continue to live my life. Are you blessed by the teaching of today? Praise God. I want to bring your pastor up right now. I want you to stand. Please stand. Everybody stand. Stand. I want you to stand. I want you to hold the hand of someone beside you. And let's draw strength from each other. As a pastor, will lead us in one or two prayers. We're trusting God to get you to that pedestal where you can continue to build on some of the teachings of this month as you prepare yourself for a beautiful home that God has in mind for you. Will you pray for somebody whose hand you are holding and just ask that the grace of God will come upon their life, that the strength of the Holy Spirit will come upon them. I want you to start to pray for them in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, Ion sharpens iron, and a brother will sharpen the countenance of his friend. And he, he also asks us to bear one another's burden. Can you just pray for them, that the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge will rest upon them that the light of God will shine upon their heart. and they start to practice some of the things that I've been learning
1: this month. I'd like you to just please continue praying for that person. I'd like you to begin to make declarations as the Holy Spirit gives you authorance over their lives. Declare that they will not make a wrong choice. In fact, declare they will make the best choice for their destiny. The Bible says they will not judge with the seeing of their eyes, the hearing of their ears. Declare that they will receive wisdom from God. Scripture says they will hear a voice from behind. Declare that this is the way to go, go in it. I'd like you to declare that over them. Declare that they are encompassed with favor like a shield. They will be found by the right person at the right time in the right place. Jesus says the voice of a stranger they will not hear. I like you to open your mouth and declare it over them. Declare that when strange voices come, when deceiving voices come, they will not respond. Will you pray, children of God? Ah, Taya Mahikara nakata rebrayata Yay, Kalias. Jesus will serve the people. It says they missed the time of their visitation. Would you declare over their lives, they will not miss the time of their visitation. They will not miss the time of their visitation. Lastly, this morning, can you just declare that for them is a season of open doors? Declare that it is a season of open doors. We declare financially, it's a season of open doors, spiritually. It's a season of open doors in our relationships. It's a season of open doors in our careers. It's a season of open doors. He says, see, I set before you an open door. says, no man, no man, no man can shut it. Would you command help for them in this season? We don't know what battles have been fought at home. What battles are being fought? What battles are waiting for them on Monday morning at work? But would you pray for help for them? Would you summon the man from the far east for them? This week, miracles abound. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the seed sown in our hearts. We thank you for harvest abounding. We thank you for joy. We thank you for fulfillment of purpose and destiny. Lord, we thank you for the grace that we have received today. We give you thanks. God's will shout a big amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus as you take your seats. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much.